I like this idea that like both of us show up like drunk and like just hung. I mean, like we're just barely getting into the studio, and then as soon as the fucking thing switches on, we're like, ah, look at this! We're like, welcome back, streamers, <laughs> to another episode of Well Trash. Yeah, what are you gonna do? The world's literally on fire. So, no, it, like it actually is. I mean, I it's, mean it's, it's it's there's a like they're like don't go outside today. You might combust. Right, and don't fall down because you'll get third degree burns and and. Don't stand up because you might just pass out. And yeah, the only safe place is in the movie theater these days. But it's getting there and that's the trouble. <laughs> right. So just stay. <laughs> and then being able to afford to go see the films. <laughs> right. So that's why we're introducing our brand new Why Does Wilhelm Scream Apartment Complex slash Movie Theater. <laughs> Come on over. You never have to leave. <laughs> you can just sleep on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's cool. No big deal. <laughs> so, so anyway, we'll even let it, you to control the remote every once in a while. No, I hide them. <laughs> right, yeah. You'll watch what we want you to watch <laughs> and like it. <laughs> and, and speaking of watching what we want you to watch and liking what we want you to like, today we're talking John Waters and his trash trilogy: the films Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and Desperate Living. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And luckily for you, we'll be doing it at a volume that's not the same as those movies present themselves. Because it's just screaming. <laughs> it is legit just time. yelling at people. Everyone just yells at each other. Like by the time that he gets to polyester, I mean, Divine has, it is a, watching those, I, I have not seen, I, I, I saw Multiple Maniacs many, many moons ago. I didn't rewatch it. And I have not ever seen Mondo Trasha or any of his short films. But um, just watching the progression from Pink Flamingos to, to Female Trouble to Desperate Living and then on into Polyester and then on into Hairspray, mm. it, it is this, you can kind of see like an emotional growth and obviously, I mean, obviously a technical growth as well, but as you can see a guy who's no longer in a band of Baltimore misfits, who's just this young kid trying to make whatever shocking thing he can. And really, truly progressing as, I mean, and again, that's not to denigrate necessarily. I, do, I mean, obviously, I think Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble have their place. Um, but, I mean, this is a person who has gotten better every film that he does. Which and, is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right, I mean, right. Right, I mean, you have to, he, he had to start there to get. And it's, it's interesting to see the progression of, um, you know, obviously toning it down once you have, a budget in polyester and you start introducing mainstream actors like tab hunter um and then going full-blown pg rating out into going into hairspray and kind of and and honestly that has to be what made most of his wealth for him right i mean because that's not necessarily how much the money how much money that that movie brought in during its initial box office run that was not important but it's the residuals from the remake and the Broadway, the Broadway. musical and, and uh, yeah, I mean, well, so I guess the Broadway musical and then the movie musical version of the Broadway musical and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> did you know that he did, and I couldn't find it, but did you know that he did a live read of Pink Flamingos with, with kids? With like kids. Right. Yeah, and it played kids. at like the Baltimore, some Baltimore museum. So it was just an installation. Well, it because so this would have been 2015 is when it okay. looked like in the because IMDb. Starting around 1990, I think he started to exhibit a lot of his photographic work. Mm, okay, um, and, and and they were mainly 
photography based, but installation works. And so, yeah, he started to, to show those and exhibit those in museums, especially the Baltimore. I don't know if it's the Baltimore contemporary or if it's the Baltimore modern. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But he also promised them. The only thing I know about Baltimore is, is simply the wire. The wire. Right, yeah. <laughs> Another so if artist. It's, so if, it's, if it's not Stringer Bell related, I'm not really sure. This is true. Stringer was the heart of that, <laughs> uh, that series. But um, Morris Lewis is another artist who famously is from Baltimore and, you know, went to New York for a while, then moved back to Baltimore, moved back in with his parents. Anyway, it's a different story. But, but there are, I mean, a, a fair amount of really good visual artists that came from Baltimore as well. But he promised, I believe, most of his personal collection, private collection, to the Baltimore Museum, and that includes Warhols and Cy Twombly's. Right, and right. And he's, got, he's a huge bibliophile. Like he has oh, a yeah. Whole, like, yeah. Like a whole bunch of rare and out-of-print books and things like that. Mm, like, so. like an entire, yeah, I guess it's just like floor to ceiling. But, I mean, also, wasn't he sort of famously the one who said, you know, if you go home with someone and they don't have books, don't fuck them. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> man after my own heart. <laughs> okay. So we're also going to talk about uh, two new films. They clone Tyrone and The Blackening. We are. Uh, so we got a packed episode. And <laughs> that always works out well for us. <laughs> yeah, because we, we we're so always well so time concise management. on time anyway, right? <laughs> we, we never seem to run past. People, someone told me, like, you know, podcasts are really great in, like, 30-minute segments. I'm like, sure, so you get several with, with one of ours. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> great. You can break ours up into 30-minute segments. That's not it a works. problem. It right. works. It works. We give you little interludes. <laughs> but we're also, before we get into any of that, we also wanted to touch on the death of Paul Rubens, uh, the actor best known for creating and portraying Pee Wee Herman, right? Died at the age of 70. Yeah, of cancer and kind of hid it from everybody, which I think for the past six years, weeks, yeah, six I think, years, yeah, something like that. Um, which and not to get into the macabre and, and like, but I think that's the way to do it, I, especially if you're a celebrity. Like, I don't like I can't imagine I like that. Like, and again, I don't necessarily I think, you know, we've had some significant deaths, but Norm Macdonald kind of did the exact same thing mm -hmm. where like no mm -hmm. one really knew he was struggling. Um, and then Saget passed away, but that was kind of sudden like from a from a blow to the head. So that was a different thing. But I, I think I ha rather than having this um, public outcry, I think it's definitely the <laughs> the way to go just to kind of like leave. And he left a really loving note and said, sorry, I couldn't, you know, I didn't share it with you. But uh, but yeah, um, I, you know, this I, I I you and I kind of grew up in the era of, of Pee Wee Herman. I, I remember seeing the HBO special in um, in eighty one. Yeah, something okay. along those lines. Um, or if it had been like afterwards on VHS, or it was like a TV moment. movie, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, and it was P. It was like a risque. Um, it was like an adult version of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Right, right, right. Because when Pee Wee started out, like there was always that kind of like all of the people and kind of the, the I mean, he really had a, I mean, and again, I don't necessarily know if anyone's ever really kind of talked to this, but like he did have a waters aesthetic to him where it was very pushing the boundaries. It was never like gross necessarily, but it was introducing, uh, you know, a drag sensibility, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of like day glow mid-century mod sensibility and this kind of garish, um, a lot of the, the nonsensical things and like, and, and, and it was campy. You could, yeah. you could call it campy. Right. 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 Um, and then when, you know, the, I, I would have been right in the wheelhouse. And also I was like, kind of it, Pee Wee's Playhouse came out pretty much when I was in junior high and high school. So it would have been cool to, it was cool to watch. It was like, it was, 
was one of those things where it just um like everyone talked about it and i don't know we saw it on saturday mornings but it was never seen as like really as it was a kid's show but it still had i mean like all of the claymation and all the different animation styles mm-hmm. and the people that were on it and the things that he was doing i don't know it was really really i was thinking about that time and about how like we had um the kids that were growing up in that era are were you know had things like Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead came a little bit later, but these kind of like really kind of subversive, almost like Fleischer esque, like scary things that that kind of push the boundaries for the kids of like Daria. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was the scariest one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, if you ever go back and watch any of those like Max Fleischman, like those mm-hmm. those early black and white, you know, uh, pre it's like the Betty Boop type stuff, and it's mm-hmm. just like just <laughs> creepy ass images and music, and it's like <laughs> you always see it played. Like I think that was what they were playing in Skinnamarink. You know, it was like on right. on the TV. Right. You know, they're all in the public domain at this point, so they're easy. Um, and then you know, when I I, I did not see Pee Wee um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure in the theater, but but by the time that it had come out. We all went to Big Top Pee Wee. Pee- mm-hmm. Big Top Pee Wee was like a stop down because we were just we couldn't wait for that one. I mean, it was a little disappointing, but it was. But I mean, just from a sensibility of like, it wasn't exactly the same thing for us. But I mean, kind of. I think we were kind of aging out of it. But uh, and then right about that same time is when you know the, his arrest happened, which was fucking stupid and weird and right. and, and unfortunate. I, I was reading about that today too, about how like he grew up in Sarasota, like and and so he was. He had he had wanted to get out of the Pee Wee uh, persona, and so like he didn't like there there was a lot of stuff like Pee Wee's Pee Wee's Playhouse got canceled. It didn't. He had not signed another contract to renew his right. to renew his TV show. He wanted to start getting out of the Pee Wee persona, and this and he was during a hiatus, um, trying to figure out what he was going to do. He was staying with his parents, and you know went to a theater, and the Sarasota Police Department had people camped out in the theater. And it's, and it's weird because like, and it's just oddly coincidental, but had he shown up to the theater like five minutes earlier, mm-hmm. he would have seen someone getting arrested for exactly what was, you know, what he got arrested for. And it was just one of those things was like, you know, they, he sat in a theater, they didn't get up and arrest him immediately. They waited till he left the theater and then, you know, and they booked him and it was just a matter of, of course it caught the news. And the, it's just one of these weird things that we build these people up and then demonize them as soon as we possibly can. And it's such a fucking heartbreaking thing because this is a guy who by all accounts and like everything that's come out, like after his passing and like all these things, all these, all these comedians have come out and like shared like the cameos or the, or the special texts that he gave them on his, and like he mm-hmm. spent like totally like the last year of his life, like making sure he was doing video texts for people on their birthdays and like release. And it was just, you know, why do we, why do we do that? And then again, why does the fucking Sarasota police department have nothing better to do than send four undercover um assholes into a fucking adult theater and to to catch people masturbating or you know and again i mean again and i'm not gonna i don't want why does wilhelm scream be the podcast for promotion of public masturbation but are i mean it's good to know that there are no other crimes in sarasota in 1991 right where we didn't have to have police you know we could we could go in and, and make sure that you know People masturbating got got their just rewards. <laughs> but again, again, you you you're touching on bigger like bigger issues here too, right? Sure. I mean, and, I mean no, right, and, right. And, no, 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 and, absolutely. And this, I, I mean, especially this idea of getting trapped in a persona, and and, and not just 
in sort of a celebrity way, but also, I mean, I think in our everyday lives, we, we right. get trapped in personas. But someone like Paul Rubens, who's now, you know, who who became successful, was successful as Pee Wee, and then gets stuck, because that's what everyone expects, right? He can't go do anything else. Well, just do Pee Wee. That's what we want. That's what we're all here to <laughs> right. do, right? Dance monkey. You're, right, right. And, and we see that today with, with the proliferation of, of IP and everybody's like, nope, you're that now. And that's all you are. And you can never do anything else. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I would imagine it would have been easier then than it is now, but still you can't escape that. And then, yeah, you would think cops have something better to do, but as we see <laughs> all the time, apparently they don't. Right. And yeah. they are not they are not here to protect us, Jason. They do not serve and protect us. There is nothing in the police department's charter or anything that says that they're even obligated to do that. So can we just like stop with this bullshit of like, well, but they're who are you gonna call when you're in trouble? Well, fucking not the cops. <laughs> right, as well talk to I, I, I'm not. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um yeah, I, 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 I and I, you know, just going back to like what Pee Wee, I think, kind of opened up to all of us. And not to say that he was the reason behind all of this, but like this was a this was a man who subtly introduced queerness. And I don't mean that from a gay perspective. I just mean from, you know, um, to a, to a group of kids who were, um, you know, uh, just present on every Saturday morning and to, and that were receptive and that he could talk to, um, you know, he, he introduced things to like drag. I don't think it's interesting kind of like looking at that show today and, and seeing if it, and again, I hate to be that asshole who's like, oh, you can't make things anymore. Right. But I mean, <laughs> would that, would that show, um, have the impact and would it have stayed on for five, however many seasons it was on, um, on, a, on a Saturday morning geared towards kids when you had, um, you know, significant, uh, I mean, like things that we're rallying against today. Like, I mean, like we're, we're that we're trying to, to hold back from kids today. Um, no, no, clarify who you mean by we. <laughs> right. I mean, society, <laughs> quote unquote, society. Uh, <laughs> or the GOP. I don't know. Whatever the fucking, you know. The anti-intellectual, um, right, uh, right. The anti-intellectual, the anti-quote-unquote woke. I mean, I, right. I don't know how. I don't know how else to say. Yeah, it. and I don't even really care about sugarcoating anymore because it's so fucking depressing. And and just ignorant. Right. I mean, like if yeah. I if, mean, all of this comes from a place of ignorance. If your right. stance is that you don't want people to learn about things, um, and you want to gatekeep knowledge, and you want to, in order to not and not to hurt feelings, then go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. But also, if you want to regulate how people live. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Go fuck too. yourself. Right. Because I mean, right. that's what. That's what right. And that's right. what the Sarasota police were doing. Right. Yeah. And I'm no. Sure right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, because uh, what what do people think happen in like adult theaters? Right. Right. When you go there for the stories, when it wasn't I mean, like he stood up in front of the crowd and and. <laughs> Right. I mean, well, let's not. Let, I mean, we don't need to like, paint a right? picture. Right. But. Here are the things he did and things he didn't do. And now I'm going to just sort of left-handed, right-handed. I'm sorry. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So it's very, very sad. I mean, it's sad to see a, um, uh, a true artist. I mean, not the however you want to characterize it, but I mean, it's it's somebody who I think had an impact on on. I don't know. I mean, I'm speak for you, but uh, but certainly growing up, he he meant something. You you came to him at a different age, which was probably beneficial. Right. And I mean, I can look back retrospectively and think about all of the ways in which he was subverting normal Saturday morning TV. 
like you said, the way that he was introducing a kind of queerness. I mean, he married a fruit Shoot. salad. He, he had right, no, right, <laughs> right, right. And I do think, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you pointed out the idea of queer not in a, a homosexual like, right. context, right? Because I think too often, anyway, I mean, that nomenclatures are ridiculous. But, but, I mean, very much like a queer sensibility, very much a kind of, you know, drag sensibility. I mean, I think the connection between he and Waters is probably closer than we really... I mean, it, it really is kind of opening it up to this idea of, you know, I don't it, not expecting the unexpected, but being open to the unexpected, to be open to the weirdness, the weird, and, mm -hmm. and to be and to allow for that type of nonsensical joy of life that that um, that we so often jettison because we've got to get to point A from you know from point A to point B, right. And and this is what I even as a child appreciated about Huey's playoffs was the irreverence. Um, I'm not. I know that I sound like I'm just not very much fun. Where I've been like, I don't really like a lot of comedies, and and now I'm gonna be like, Pee Wee was kind of like small doses for me, right? And sure. I was like, I was I was cool with. Um, I think I like Playhouse more than I did the movies. There's a kind of ridiculousness ridiculousness there that is yes joyful and fun. But sometimes it's just too much for me. <laughs> See, I fucking I no, Pee Wee's I, Big Adventure. I, I I love to. I mean, like to this, like the whole road movie aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, and um, just the 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 ludicrousness of of him being that fucking James Dean character, right? That that's so. Yeah, I fucking love that movie <laughs> no. so much. Yeah, it's not. I, and I don't mean to. This is and a fun, this yeah. is a personal aesthetic thing. I mean, because like. I don't really dig Rain Stimpy either. I never have. And that's the one where people look at me, they're like, you don't? I'm like, look, man, if you want to whiz on an electric fence, that's fine. But I just, I'm just not really like here for it. So, but, but again, that's, I sound like I'm no fun, but I am. I'm a lot of fun. Come hang out. <laughs> just don't talk about certain things. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I would never stop you from watching Rain and Stimpy and enjoying it. The first two seasons, man. When that, I mean, Brendan Stimpy's but, created but again, like when I, problems, when but again, when I said something about Daria, I'm like, yes, like I was totally right. into Daria. Yeah, and of course right? you were, because okay. you're basically the male embodiment exactly. of, exactly. of Daria. Exactly. See, that, <laughs> because I That's bet like you, looking in a window, I, mirror for you. <laughs> I bet you Daria wasn't really into Brendan Stimpy right. either. So. She, hated Beavis, she hated Beavis and Butthead as well. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> um, but, but no, I think I, I, I grew to appreciate Paul Rubens more and more as I got older and could see things more from just a, you know, because as I'm a kid and I'm watching this, I'm like, why is it so loud? Why are they just yelling? What is going on? I did love the secret word of the day. <laughs> right. Again, I'm like, of course I did. But, but, you know, moving away from that, you can see the kind of intellectual subversiveness. Subvers you can see the artistry in that um, that I, you know, couldn't as a eight-year-old. Right, nine -year -old. right. So... <laughs> All okay. right, let's get, well, let's get into... Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully okay. you're masturbating in the sky now. <laughs> I don't want to leave it on that. <laughs> that's, look, I, I stepped in it and I said it and I'm going to live with it because I'm an asshole and that's where we are. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk they clone Tyrone or the blackening? <laughs> Whichever one or, you want to talk about first, I'm I'm good with. Uh, let's talk about since you mentioned they clone Tyrone. Let's talk about they clone well, Tyrone because that's what I have written down first. 
I'll leave okay. it, open it up. They clone Tyrone. This is a pulpy sci-fi mystery caper in which an unlikely trio investigates a series of eerie events, alerting them to a nefarious conspiracy lurking directly beneath their neighborhood, their neighborhood called The Glen. Fontaine, a drug dealer, is shot dead by a rival Isaac and then is shocked to find himself alive and unharmed in his own bed the next morning. He and the pimp, Slick Charles, and sex worker Yo-Yo begin looking into the incident, and their search eventually leads them to a vast underground complex where a government-backed lab is performing experiments on the local black community. Realizing that he is a clone, Fontaine initially feels despair, but decides he needs to stand up to the white institutional overlords for the sake of his neighborhood and the non-clones who still live there. I wish this wasn't a Netflix movie, man. I wish this was something like two... I I wish this was like... Five, six, seven years ago when this could have gotten a really, really good theatrical release, like come out like around the same time that Get Out comes out, right? Or, or, uh, you know, where we're open to that, like just being blown away by uh, just a really, one, well acted and well, I mean, just a well-performed story. Yeah. Well, it was beautifully shot. It was. Um, the colors are amazing. Um, the costuming is amazing. The dialogue is well. It's got that unreal. kind of black exploitation look to it, doesn't right, it? Right. We're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, I mean, like, and, and I mean, that's kind of that's part of the intent of like the the, the white organization kind of keeping <laughs> these people no, no, in, in this kind of like ideal. Right. But it world. just looks like that kind of right. Like seventies. Right. I mean, just the way it's shot has that sort of color tone. Right. That's yeah, what. It, yeah. yeah. Um. And and just all of the ideas. This is the movie that, like, I've seen it twice now. Like pouring over it and kind of going back through the details and and just all the implications of the secret society and and um, all the things that they could do with this story moving forward after after this. Right? Uh, it, it's so. I would. I don't know. I was like. I, I so expect. Uh, Netflix movies to suck when they come out. This mm-hmm. one looked intriguing. So, um, and I thought, you know, I think Boyega is, I, why are we not giving that guy more movies, man? Right. Like he's so intimidating <clears throat> and good in this. Well, because he stood up for himself right. and, and spoke think, yeah, out against things. Right? And, and he was brilliant in um, the Small Axe yeah. series. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. And Fox is the best I mean, it's probably since Ray. I mean, like the I have not seen Fox this good in a really, really long time, and it, and it taps into all of his great sensibilities, and it puts him in a role where he is secondary to Boyega, um, and 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 even to the point where he's uh, secondary in the. I mean, like obviously secondary in the story, but like from from an alpha male, beta male kind of like mm-hmm. perspective, and like who's you know ruling the roost. Uh, you know, he takes he takes you know he takes his cues from Boyega, who's the drug dealer. Um, but damn, he's so good. He, and like in every di- – there's so much dialogue. There's so much good stuff going on in there. Um, I, there's one – just the one is like they wa- they're walking into the, to the, the lab and there's like – or I guess they're going into the, the, the building where the lab, you know, before they get down the elevator. And he's like, you know, curiosity killed the cats. And they're like, we're a bunch of motherfucking cats right now. It's like, we're cool cats, but we're still cats. Like it's, <laughs> Just shit like that. It's like do, every do not get like, in that elevator. Like I highly do recommend, not, like when you watch this, to like turn on the on on the on the on the captions because you can just capture it. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in the background it's, too. It's like there's just yeah, it's a lot it's of rat right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and, but that Fox is so good at that throughout the entire film, and and it is him playing off Boyega. Like you said, it, it gives him that chance to 
do the little side comments. I mean, you know, playing the sort of, mm, he's not really a beta male, but he's sort of, sure, you know, sure, like you said, secondary okay. yeah. to Boyega. And so he gets to play the smart ass. He gets to play the kind of like reluctant, okay, fine, I'll go in the truck and see what's what's back there. As he's making all these smart ass comments all, all the time. And he gets to just steal the scenes. Right, right. right. He's, yeah, no, he's, he's so good at that. I mean, so like, good. And he's been doing that. I mean, like before he became a huge star, like if you go look at some of the movies like Booty Call and like mm-hmm. some of the other ones that were when he was coming up, where he was kind of in that same role, where he was the, the comedic foil. He's so good at that. And so to see him come back to that, ah, it's really, really good. What's the, do you know the name of the female actress? Okay, she's great as well. Like the whole Nancy Drew thing was. <laughs> that was, uh, that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, how many fucking adventures this bitch been on? <laughs> It's all vanilla shit, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Everything, (laughs) it always ends up being some vanilla sex shit, right? Or some missionary shit, right? right? Yeah, missionary vanilla shit. Uh, Tiana Paris. Yeah, she's great as well. I mean, as is Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, and I mean, like he's, he, like... Sutherland is was born and like has been throughout his career, but he's born to play (laughs) play a racist. Well, no, 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 no. To play that kind of villain, right? I mean, like. Um, and I don't even know, like, if, if, like, like, Kiefer's really, truly racist in this other than he just believes in them. I mean, like, that's, I guess that's a racist thing, but he, like, but he's just part of the machinery, right? So right. Like, like, everyone's look, got a boss, right? Look, you can, yes, if you endorse eugenics, you're probably a racist. <laughs> right, I'm just, Because right, right. <laughs> essentially this is, this is kind of a film about eugenics, right? I mean, right. it's, it's these white scientists, well, twist right led by a black scientist who's actually fontaine slash tyrone right he's the clone yeah he's the clone clone of the clone right but they're so they're running experiments on these clones and in this community as a way to kind of keep keep them depressed keep them socioeconomically depressed but also he's trying to figure out a way to make them assimilate over generations right 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 so there's not ever good yeah that the idea is over generations, there will no longer be a black or a white race. There's just going to be America, right? Well, and I, yeah, but I mean, it's going to be a white, white race, race. Right, yeah. right, yes. right, right. But, but, I mean, but that's the selling point, right? It'll just be like America. Right. And it's not just clones. So the clones are the clones exist to play parts. They play the drug dealer. They play the pimp. Yeah. You assume they, they also play the, the drunk on the corner. And so they, they're all having roles to play. And that's one of the things that Boyega, in his journey, is coming to realize that he's part of the system and that he's behaving and how he's been taught to behave but also if he if he stays to buy in if he doesn't take the the red pill whatever mm-hmm. then he stays in the you know in the world where he's just a drug dealer and he's, and he's keeping his, his people down um, but it's also they're also experimenting them on them with additives to fried chicken and all this sounds you know how it sounds right but um mm-hmm. but it, hair uh, products the hair products there and grape juice <laughs> and grape juice that's in church which i thought was the funniest part well not the funniest part but a really funny part and also in in music, so like um, th- there's certain subliminal messages in music that will calm people down mm-hmm. or, or or make them go off and do certain things, uh, and then they and then they all have the clones all have a catchphrase that's uh, programmed in them. So if they hear it, they are no longer allowed to act on their own. They're you know they're under a control of of, a, of one of the agencies. Um, I, I thought this was just I, I thought it was brilliant. I mean I. Yeah. I um, I, as I was watching it, I felt like, especially at the, the first time, first time through, I thought like things like goddamn chicken and, and 
um, a couple of and things were stores a little, that are dranks. Right, right. That, that, I think I think that was a little on the nose. But then again, I kind of I come to understand why it's there. Right. I mean, it, it helps. Right. It's 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 there to prod the story along. Of course, and it's there to stand out. And it's to a you. signifier. Right. Right. For right. us, the viewer. And, and it, it, it does double duty, too, because it's, you know, these are places or things constructed by these sort of white institutional overlords. And, of course, that's how they're going to see this. <laughs> right, right. Right. I mean, yeah. it's their kind of stereotypical, stereotypical racist portrayal of, oh, of course, you would go to a liquor store called Hot Drinks. Right. <laughs> right. Or right. Goddamn Chicken. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I just it's one of those. It's, I don't really hear anybody talking about it no. and or writing about it and i don't it's weird that it's going to exist on netflix so it's never going to see a, a dvd release and, and that it's just going to exist as this thing that will be there for a month and then it'll be shuffled off into the into the coil of, yeah. of the netflix algorithm but um but i think it's a really interesting piece of cinema um that i that i do think needs to i mean i do think needs to be watched i mean it's it's an especially as we exist you know in this idea today where we're trying to and again not to bring everything back to but to culture politics or to fucking whatever the fuck we're doing yeah, right but this now. movie is about culture politics. Mean, right 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 um but you know i mean as we're trying to keep down uh you know critical race and and, and all of in affirmative things. action right 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 yeah fuck I can, yeah. there's so much shit going on man i cannot fucking keep it all in no my head, i know right? and none of it's good <laughs> none of it is right. good none right. of it is good but, but i mean this this movie speaks to that and i think this is why we're lamenting that it's not not more widely talked about or widely seen because there's a lot of good conversations i think that could be had around this I mean, look, it's it's on one hand an allegory of sort of the social economic system that we live in and that we see. And it's a portrayal of this is how we keep people down, this kind of social engineering. Look, having certain kinds of food in certain kinds of neighborhoods, having certain kind of stores in certain kinds of neighborhoods, this is not an accident, right? Right. It's not an accident. Um, the way we use music, the way we use advertising, it's all in in this film. There's also, I mean, you could have an allegorical take on sort of the crack e epidemic of the 80s. It's the same thing, right? You know, nothing was done to stop that. And in some cases, it was even encouraged. Encouraged, right? right. right. So, um, yeah, tie that in with what's going on today, right? The anti-wokeness to bring that back again. Affirmative action being struck down. Um, critical race theory being a, a, a an intellectual boogeyman. Yeah, this is a really pertinent and sort of um, important film. And it, I never it, thought it, I'd say that about a Netflix movie. Right, exactly. And, <clears throat> and, you know, this is, you look at something like Hollywood Shuffle or, or I'm Going to Get You Sucker, that we're mm -hmm. kind of telling similar stories mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to a humorous degree as well. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. The humor here is subtle, though. Absolutely, I mean, it's right. funny and it's really funny, but it's also really smart and it's, it's use Coen of humor. esque, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's and it's not like it's not like Oh Brother, right? I mean, but these are three lovable losers, right? And right. these are the three least expected, right? Of that are that are going to become heroes, mm -hmm. which obviously, I mean, it makes it makes sense to choose the people that they chose, the professions that those people are in, but that they chose uh, specifically for this story to, to break this out. Um, and I do think that, like, and we're, I, we'll talk about the blackening in a second, but I think this is. You know, we've talked about these movies, um, you know, as of late that have shown the black experience in a more normalized sense where you're not, it's not about, um, 
othering. It is about mm-hmm. just showing it as it is. So it becomes, it leaves the other, right? It becomes something that we're all, you know, used to. And I, I, I mean, that interaction between the three of them and especially uh, Yo-Yo and, you know, I think also they find out, like, I think one of the, the really subtle pieces that of this movie that one of the things that it does is like the lessening of the family and like the removal because when we find out that Boega he's all driven by this uh this dead younger brother um that doesn't exist that well it did exist but not for Boyega Boyega's just a clone he didn't really he never knew him mm-hmm. um and then he has a mother that he that he provides for in his apartment but when he breaks down the door to her room he it's realizes just she's just a recording right so this idea of like we're removing these <laughs> familial aspects that are so key and important and we're just playing lip service to them and we're also using them to keep these people and this is a fucking there is a lot to unpack here and again it's fucked that it's just i mean like that we're not that it's not getting like this you know for whatever this should be a movie that people are talking about that that are that are people are excited about that like like get out was like get out was kind of a fucking eye-opening wake up of like all right Here's a horror movie, and it is a damn good horror movie, but also there's a lot of fucking shit going on, and now we're all going to sit here and, and and pick it apart and understand it. Um, I think this is on that level. I do, too. And I was just going to say, like, at, at ev- I know that at a certain point, everything becomes deconstruction, but there is so much here, right, again, to sort of pull threads on. It's a good conspiracy movie. Right. Right? Well, just in general. This is not a preachy film at all. Oh, no. This no. is all, like, you have to pick this out, and if you just wanted to enjoy a good... Uh, you know, a good, a- not action, but a good, like, mystery. This is a good movie, oh, just yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you start digging into it, and there's even more there, right? And more to apply different lenses to as well. So, yeah, hopefully um, more and more people. Maybe, you know what, this could be a film, and I'm not joking here, where people in higher education pick up on, right, and show certain classes and and use in in different different courses that deal with um, social constructs, social issues, right? Other other socioeconomic um, dealings. I don't know. Well, and, to sh- and to sh- just to show it as a, as a, you know, a entertaining contrast to real world events that we've been doing right. since right. the beginning of our history, right? I mean, like, so you can show this and then speak to the Tulsa massacre. You can show this and and, and speak to uh, the anything like that. Right, I mean, the, yeah. the, the watch riots, the Detroit riots. I right. mean, what, what were the pilots that they were testing on? I can't Tuskegee, the Tuskegee, the Tuskegee right. Airmen. Yeah, I mean, so there's and the Tuskegee Institute and all of them. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, and or, or, or go back to the you know the CIA bringing in drugs into into, into California, different communities, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a movie that like, were this released in it when the Hughes brothers were making films or, or a, a Singleton were making, I mean, like sure. this came out in, 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 in the late nineties. If this or came out 90s, around Menace to Society or Boys in the Hood. People would be going fucking would, nuts for mm-hmm. it. This would be mm-hmm. some, this would be a seminal film. Yeah. Even if it had a theatrical release, like get out. I mean, this would be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, go see it. Um, yeah. Listener. Just log in. Go see it. <laughs> Go see it. Okay. Um, let's talk about the blackening. All right. right. Kind of on the heels of, of the clone Tyrone. So the blackening, we have seven black friends from college reunite on Juneteenth weekend at a cabin in the woods. 
Unbeknownst to them, there is a killer in their midst with a vendetta and a penchant for games. They will have to use their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies to help them stay alive. <laughs> uh, I, first off, the tagline for this is the best tagline of any movie in probably the past decade is they can't all die first. It's so good. <laughs> it's so first. it's so good. Right. It's so like <laughs> I think this movie, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it works best if you see it with a crowd, um, mm-hmm. because, again, I don't think it quite hits all its points. I don't think Tim's story is a particularly talented director. Like, I mean, I say talented. That's that's very demeaning. I don't think he's I don't think he's a standout director in my mind. I think he's very workmanlike and I think he's sufficient in a lot of ways. I think there's a few films that I've really liked of his, like I like Barbershop and, and a couple mm-hmm, of others. Mm-hmm. But then there's some like, you know, like he's he's handled middle of the road comedies like Taxi and 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 uh the Fantastic Four movies and things like that. So like he's hit or miss for me. He is to me a studio director and that I'm never gonna get excited about anything that he does. Now um, there, there were a couple of different writers on this. One of the writers was Dwayne, the, the, the guy who played Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's really funny in some of the things that he's done. Um, I, I don't like to me, um, obviously this is a horror comedy that leans very heavily on the comedy. This is not very, this is not a very scary mm-hmm. movie, nor does it really <clears throat> intend to be. And it's a pretty postmodern film. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It's all very, it's, you know, Craven and Williamson. it's knowing it's, and right, it's, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, I think the dialogue is really good. I, I do think the interactions between all of the characters is really well done. And I think some of the stuff that they do with like the Adderall scenes and the, um, where they, you know, she starts seeing the, the, um, like the almost equations like the chemical equations. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think all of it's, I, I, I think this movie does what Tyrone does as well as well is that it normalizes a group of black friends and doesn't put them in a situation. It doesn't put them in black situations where we would quote unquote black situations well, what i'm saying like i i, I don't know maybe you correct me no 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 no, no 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 i think I correct think, but just yeah right i mean i think you're, you're saying like when we think of a film like this we're thinking of something specific right right something quote unquote black but what we get is what other people would typically think as a quote unquote white movie <laughs> right sure. because these are all you know it wasn't an accident that i put in there these friends from college I mean, right? They all went right. to college together. They're all relatively successful. They're all right. right. They all seem to be middle class, upper middle class. They're all driving very nice cars, right? They make fun of the one character's Android phone, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, but, but so they're very successful. They're going to a cabin in the woods for a college for, reunion. For right? like, yeah, for a small kind of. There's seven or eight of them, right? Reunion. So I think. What you're getting at is like, oh, it's not taking place in the hood like they clone Tyrone, which is, I mean, a lot of what people are going right. to think of. Well, it's not in an urban area. It's not. And I think one of the things that this movie does that's very interesting from a perspective of, the, of from that perspective is that it introduces what I would imagine a question that exists today is, is that what does it mean to be black? And like where, you know, because again, the idea, the whole conceit of this film and and that and the, the the person who's trying to kill them is that he was othered from them because he wasn't quote unquote black enough. He didn't know how to play space. He was othered when they were all younger, not to excuse mm-hmm. the othering, but he was um, when they were all in college together. He, you know, they 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 ostracized him for not 
having enough credentials to be, you know, his black card wasn't strong enough, essentially. Right. And in fact, at one point it got revoked. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, and then all of them are all forced with, you know, the game that they play called the blackening, um, which has a very, uh, uh, you know, blackface character in the middle of the game. Uh, it's is, the same boat character. Right. right? Same, yeah. Um, sure. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, is asking them questions about, about their blackness and, and, and making them answer questions about black history and, and, Making the TV them kind show of, friends, right, right, and making them question one another essentially. And I think I, I you know, again, I'm I'm obviously not black, but I, I I wonder how much that conversation actually happens. And I would imagine quite a bit in this day and age of, of um, you know, where we are is from a perspective of, of uh, you know, from a perspective of, of again suppressing CRT and 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 having. Uh, Trump as as leader of a president, you know, of, of the free world, and having us to kind of have the question. This, this, this messaging that makes us kind of question our sanity in a lot of in a lot of different ways, right? Where it's just like, uh, okay, well, okay, good people on both sides. And again, I don't want to get into that debate about that, but I mean, like, but that that idea um, is is kind of fucked up. And this, and but again, when you have someone in that kind of power, it's not unnormal or not it's not un, you know unnatural for you to take pause and to consider it um and I, I i wonder i mean i wonder if this is i don't know how this is actually speaking to black people i have not spoken to any black people about this movie specifically but uh but i do it i did think that, that was really really a, a um a point that kind of stood out to me of the of these this group of people that um are struggling with identity and as you know as a lot of us all are anyway but i mean again and not to say all lives matter but it's but but it's a lot easier for you and i to struggle sure with absolutely i mean like I, I i i always this is and i i don't mean to say that i joke but i will always say that like you know i will never as empathetic as i might be to people i will never understand what it's like to be a black person or a woman right i just i, I and can't certainly not a black woman right 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 and so their struggle with identity is much different than than mine. I understand that like any sort of struggle I have, I still am struggling with identity from a privileged place, right? And 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 I just mean that in recognizing the kind of privilege that a straight white man has in this world, right? Or at least in this country. Whether I right. want it or not, it's there. Right. The best I can do is recognize it and try not to abuse it. Right. Uh but I, one of the things that's interesting about how they question each other is, and I and I see this from time to time in in, in academia, where you will have students who who will use use um, black vernacular English in a piece of writing, and I have seen um, black academics get upset and and say, no, this is the kind of language that we're supposed to use now in right. college, and I mean my and I don't. In my head, I think I have the question of why, right? Why? Because in my opinion, academic English is just gatekeeping, right? Right. It's just keeping certain people out or making them conform to your perceived correctness and and use of language. And it's that same idea. But I mean, these characters struggle with those kinds of ideas, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I will say on a whole, this movie doesn't work quite as well, obviously, as they 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 clone Tyrone. It 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 has its moments. um, And I think overall, it's 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 a fun movie. I do think they were a little like I do wish the Clifton character was a little less Carlton. I do, too. I I don't really know why. And again, I feel like that's a Tim story thing. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's a we're going to make this ridiculously obvious. 
And look, I like Diedrich Bader in Office Space, but anytime Diedrich Bader shows up in a movie, I am very, very... He was fine in this. Yeah. Um, but he, I, he's just... He's, he's a distraction to me a lot of times. And again, I don't necessarily... It just feels like... It feels like a cheap comedy movie. And again, no offense to Diedrich Bader. If he ever listens and wants to come defend himself, 100% on board. And again, well, he doesn't have to defend himself, right? Talk. Yeah, just yeah. talk. I'm sure he's a hilarious guy. I would love to talk Office Space with him. I don't mean this as a, as a denigration, but he's been in a lot of those Friedberg, Seltzer, fucking shitty-ass movies where they're just the fucking worst. Mm -hmm. And so I, I get it. Everyone's got to pay the bills. It has lended him to reduce his credibility in my mind mm -hmm. <laughs> when he shows up in a movie, whatever, whatever that's fucking worth. And he could have... That character could have been any... It could have been anybody, white right? Guy it doesn't necessarily need to be... kind of funny. Right. And I think he does... I mean, he's, the, he's really the only white character we see who isn't... A hillbilly... Yeah. Cracker. And, yeah. and he's there, I mean, as a kind of ally. And I mean that, right, like, right, in the right, kind right. of, like, political sense where he's like, well, if I got an invitation to go to the barbecue, I wouldn't go because... Right. And they're all like, oh, good answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or, or they find, like, a mask in his in his car and they think he's the killer. He's like, no, I understand how that looks and I understand that. It <laughs> so I do like that kind of what he brings to right. that, but it could have been anybody. It, and yeah. it was probably... I don't know if it overstayed its welcome. I mean, it could have been like just, you know, here and there and not as much as it was, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked, I liked the, I, all of the interaction, most of the interactions, you know, I say a lot of all of them, I am babbling at this point. I, I really liked the interactions. <laughs> I liked, I liked the little asides that each of the characters had. Um, I liked the, I even liked, like the rap snacks, um, bit and, oh, yeah. and the Android bit. And I really, her character, um, Ex Mayo, yeah, Ex Mayo's character uh, when she hugs what's her face and, and it's like, oh, you smell like dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what you been doing? And the guy walks out. <laughs> um, she, yeah, um, I think the performances are all pretty good, except for the the Clifton one. But I mean, I know that's and, not. And, his. and the Clifton one's not bad until it until you find out that he's the killer, right? I mean, right. It really, like it's well, it's pretty bad. Like it, it, the whole idea of like. I don't know how you play it. I don't know how you how you make it where it's not so obvious. But it, but 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 making him a Carlton and then having him vote for Trump twice. It's it would be better if it was just some outsider who I, there's a way to play that where it's just a guy who doesn't feel comfortable one in his own skin or right. in the group in the group right. put together without having to be this Urkel type character. That's the thing. He's he's like a he's like a Amalgamation. conflation right. of. Of Urkel and Carlton. Yeah. I mean, it's like... But she even calls of, him Carlton at one point. Right. right? And I you're mean, just... So. And so there's a lot there. And it, it, it's too over the top where none of the other characters are. Right? I mean... Yeah, everyone the, else is a real fucking character. Right. It's a real fucking person. Right. right? And, and they have different different aspects to them, different sort of identifiers of, of blackness. Let's So Namdi's from Africa. Right. Um, what um, King is an ex... Gang, gang banger and right. married, but he's married to a white woman. Right, that's one of the funniest lines. It's like if I'm married, they're, when they're trying to figure out who's the blackest is, and like, <laughs> it's like he's like, married to I'm married to a white woman. He's like, that does not help your case. <laughs> like, oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have Allison, who has a white father. Yeah, right. Um, and then I mean, Lisa's kind of the beauty. Right, right. right. And then um, Shanika's the character. X Mayo is just like <laughs> the the loud mouth kind of like. Big over the top characters. So, I mean, but these are all so they're they're types, right? Of a type, but they're not 
over the top. I mean, right. they're just like th- those are part of their character traits, and that's the the inner dialogue between the characters. That's good. Was, that's was that really, was really funny. that was really great. <laughs> that was. Um, I do think this movie started was a was a premise without an end before they before they actually made it, and they were like, "Well, we'll, we'll figure this shit out." Because yeah. it felt like they were gonna they were gonna paint themselves into the corner into a corner with the with a um, one with a white savior and two with like a you know with the, this being overly racist people coming to kill them. Um, but again, I, so I I think that their out was oh we'll make one of us you know ridiculous right and it, yeah. but but that that that's the thing is that once you realize that none of the other characters are as ridiculous as this character, then, then of course know. right you know what's gonna happen right? right you know the outcome. And I was half expecting him to switch into something less ridiculous right right kind of like kind of kaiser associate yeah just like not yeah anymore. <laughs> right and then he didn't and i was like well that because yeah. i mean you you know right. what's coming and, like you know and that would have been a, and again i know we we sit up here and like oh this movie would have been a lot better if, <laughs> but it would have been cool. but it would have been it would have been cool had he been like turned into like this like where he that had formed his now of course the whole idea right is he Ends up drinking that night and hitting somebody, and and then spent some time. So it's it ruined his life essentially. It would have been kind of cool though for him to play the Carlton role and then like realize that he's, you know, quote unquote, the blackest person in the room or whatever, or like he'd taken on whatever affectations he thought would that those people would respond to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's a fun movie. It let yourself go with it. It, Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's it's fine. It's a fine movie. Yes, but but I think. Again, like you see I was, opportunities yeah. for things. The, and, the pieces are better, greater than the whole, yes. for, for sure. Yeah. So it's one of those films I think you could leave on in the background and just like catch fold up. laundry. Full, yeah, fold laundry, <laughs> hear the jokes and laugh at, and then um, and then go from there. It's it, to me also one of the other set pieces is that is realizing that they all watched Friends, and instead of living single, <clears> and they're all realizing who the black <clears> characters <throat> were to the point where they knew the name. <laughs> and so, Nandi's like. Damn, did y'all watch that show or what? <laughs> so one of the questions in, in the game is <clears throat> to name all the black characters that appeared on Friends. And if they get the answers wrong, then a character off screen dies. And so they go through and they name all the black characters who who appeared on Friends. And we're all like, well, I don't wa- I didn't watch the show, but, but I do. Right? Yeah, I knew Ace and, I used to Tyler's on. And so and so they they name all of the the actors and characters that appeared on Friends, but that wasn't the correct answer. The correct answer was, I don't know. I don't watch that show. (laughs) I watch Living Single, (laughs) which is Friends ripped off. (laughs) I thought that, yeah, there were some really clever, smart moments. Uh, All right. Okay. But an interesting double feature with the clone Tyrone, I think. Absolutely. All right. Trash trilogy time. Let's get into it. take my pants off and i'm going to now do this podcast with my butthole the rest of the time (laughs) you might want to look away um (laughs) no one needed to hear that or imagine that but but that was that was fun so so at the fort worth film club uh we for our july screening um (laughs) and how we program films here is kind of uh esoteric i guess is is, is we reprogram around themes and the leadership board was sitting around and we had kind of a pink thing for july and i was like oh let's just do pink flamingos and there's a four-person board member and no one told you no and no one said no and this was probably back in february or march yeah and so as we get closer and closer i'm like starting to freak out a little bit because you sent me a text and you were like uh 
Is this too much? <laughs> right, because we've never shown an NC-17 movie. I'm inviting people to, like, people walked out of Funeral Parade of Roses, which... Well, I think it was past their bedtime. <laughs> it definitely was past their bedtime, and they probably, but they they didn't probably, come back. They probably couldn't read English. Um, <laughs> no offense what? to those people. I don't need to... <laughs> well, maybe they got confused. They weren't, they weren't expecting a subtitled film. And they were like, oh, they, shit. They we, came we, because they're the fluent Japanese student who, who was able to no, watch the war of Series Generals without, without subtitles. They're just illiterate, <laughs> but, they're, but they're really into art house and cinema. They're, but they're Philistines. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so people walked out of, of Funeral Parade of Roses. And, and so, like, look, I've seen this before, but I realized none of the other board members had, and I, but it's a, but it's, but it's a movie that you know the name of, right? And you right. know, John, I mean, like anybody I think who knows cinema has heard of John Waters, especially because Hairspray's popularity is, is huge at this point. Yeah. Cause Hairspray transcends. Any and kind and, of... and so when you think maybe if you think of, of John Waters these days, you think Hairspray and, and maybe Pecker, Pecker, Crybaby Cereal or Mom. Cereal Mom, something along those. So, okay. So like weird, but you know, like not like fucking. I mean, I mean, and so as we get closer and closer, it becomes a foregone conclusion because we've already got it programmed in and the artwork's done. And, and, and like, I'm at this point trying to reach out to drag queens, um, to come to talk at the show as well, which I was unfortunately not able to do, but, uh, I'm glad that they were all had other gigs and we can't pay. So it's a whole thing that we couldn't, I I, I could have, if it was a paying gig, they probably, I could have shifted the gears there a little bit, but unfortunately we, we are, we are. So here we go. <laughs> Fucking, we're going to show it. We're going to show an NC-17 movie. Um, and so at the beginning of it, I stand up and I'm like, all right, you know, I don't, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen it, and there were quite a few people in the crowd yeah, who had, yeah. right? For those of you who haven't seen it, here's what you're going to get into. So don't feel bad about leaving. We understand. We don't ever want to surprise people with the content that we're going to show on the screen. I'm like, it's going to have sexual assault. It's going to have rape. It's going to have artificial insemination of women. It's going to have uh, animal torture. It's, uh, you know, it's, Scatological. It's uh, uh, you know, it, name it, and it and is. And it is there. Um, and I'll be damned. But if it wasn't like the funniest movie that we've had, and probably the most raucous crowd that we had, and yes, people were hiding their eyes, and people got up and went to the but everyone came back. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm pleasant. I'm not shocked. I'm just pleasantly surprised that we were able to. That that's again. Uh, what the what we want the film club to be is, mm-hmm. a, is a is a moment where you can go in and say, okay, well, shit, this is not something I would have ever watched on my own, or if I had watched it on my own, I probably would have started turned it off at the thirty minute mark or the forty minute mark, where where there's semen in a guy's cupped hand and he's inserting it into a woman, and, and all of this sounds <laughs> like, <laughs> and or you know the scene where we crush a chicken uh, in between two and in, in between a, pers- a rapist and one. You can argue in between a, a during a violent sex <laughs> right, sexual encounter. Right. I'd like to close with the original trailer New Line Cinema used to sell Pink Flamingos. Notice no footage from the actual movie is ever shown. What did you happen to hear about it? From some friends who saw it and thought it was absolutely marvelous. Probably I'll be very insulted. Rex Reed <laughs> told us that it's uh, fabulous. You come out at midnight to see it. Why well, go home at midnight? What are you going to see there? I guess there's just two kinds of people. Miss Sandstone, my kind of people, and Axon. Fantastic. It's the third time I've been to it. 
It's an incredible head thing for people. Oh, it's marvelous. Absolutely. Disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Not to be believed. Absolutely outrageous. It was divine. Fabulous. I think it's the future of city living. Um, fantastic. It's really fun. Excellent. Yes. Love it. Really good. Really good. Right? It's great. Piece of garbage. I have an aversion to snakes. It was divine. I love religious movies. A little gross, but I liked it. Well, it was uh, really the grossest film I'd seen. I think John Waters has got his finger on the pulse of America. I think he's got his thumb securely up America's ass. I enjoy dirty things as much as everyone else does, but this isn't even dirty. It's just disgusting. Uh, you want to roll through what the plot is? I've already <laughs> talked through all this shit. Sure. Can I, I want to say a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, first, so I want to say just that these films are hyperbolic, subversive commentaries on, I would say, the film world and the art world. Right. And yeah. And I think Waters loves them both. Right. Um, speaking of Waters, right, he emerged in the 60s and 70s making films in his hometown of Baltimore. These were low budget films that pushed the boundaries of outrageous filmmaking and bad taste. <laughs> These films usually starred his longtime collaborator, co- longtime collaborator Divine, who, um, who grew up on the same street as Waters, and people from the Dreamlanders, which was kind of like a ragtag group of actors and misfits, right? Um, All with varying degrees of acting talent. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, Waters would eventually build a reputation in the kind of the queer alt community and in the art world. Um, I just wanted to sort of. Th- I mean, yeah, I know no, most people are going to know. That's good though. That's John good. Waters, and so. So yeah, so Pink Flamingos is simply a story about a uh, a murderous thief called Babs Johnson. She's under the pseudonym of Babs Johnson. She's the filthiest person alive. Right. She's been voted the filthiest person alive. She's living on the lam in a in a uh, trailer home with her son, her voyeuristic daughter, and a, is it not a daughter? Is just a voyeuristic no, girlfriend. Cotton, Cotton's it? like a like a friend lover okay, sort okay. of like. Character. And then yeah. her mother, who is a mentally disabled. Yeah, a, a, a female baby who loves, loves eggs. eggs. <laughs> and the Egg Man. Right, and the Egg Man. And there is another <laughs> group in town. Um, the, the, the Nardells is that what they is that the, the Marbles? One? The Marbles. Okay, yeah. Uh, and they're their competition and they right. want to become in the, the filthiest filth, in the filth business and so they run a underground baby making scheme where they kidnap young women they have a man who inseminates them and they sell those babies to lesbian couples um and they're looking to, to but they also they also have heroin distribution bases in the, in the local <laughs> elementary local schools. <laughs> so that's on the side there. And in like other heinous business, right? I mean, which is um, why they can't publicize themselves as much. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Raymond Marble likes to expose himself to, to women in the park where he ties like a kielbasa <laughs> to his penis, right? Or a turkey neck to his penis as well. I don't know why. 
I'm not sure. The just, turkey next was the craziest <laughs> one. I was just like, what the fuck is going added, on? Added, like, effect? I, I mean... <laughs> so we basically follow these two people as they kind of go about trying to become or and to retain their filthy status. Um, Babs goes around town. Um, Cotton uh, is, is, is Cotton the is her son, or is that the Crackers is the son? Crackers Cotton the son. Thank you, the, thank you. Cotton's yeah. the voyeur. Um, they all just go around doing their thing. Essentially, the the the, the mother uh, is 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 constantly waiting on the Eggman, and when the Eggman finally does come with his case of eggs, uh, they end up getting married with to one another. Um, she just did it for the eggs. <laughs> she just did it for the eggs. There's a uh, a scene where Cracker. Well, so in order to infiltrate uh, Babs's family, the Marbles uh, employ a variety of different women. Um, one of them to go out and and to date Cracker, uh, so they they can gather information about where one where they even live and what they're all doing. Um, that's where the uh, sex scene with the chicken comes yeah. in because Cracker has <clears throat> chickens. Uh, so there's a he has sex with um, the the lady, <laughs> Cookie Cookie played by Cookie Mueller. Yes, um, who I think in almost all the movies has the same name, Cookie. Yeah, I think so. Right, <laughs> think, but Cookie Mueller became she moved to New York and became really well known as as a writer and kind of uh, she was featured in a lot of Nan Golden's ph- um, photography work and so that's who she kind of ran around with in New York um, had a had a medical advice column in, <laughs> and I think it was the East Village Eye. I think earlier I probably said the Village Voice and I was wrong, um, called Ask Dr. Mueller. <laughs> <laughs> but in, and her, um, a collection of her writing was just republished by um, the, uh, the publisher, Simeotext, um, which is a big sort of, uh, they publish a lot of like uh, Gilles Deleuze and, mm. and, and so, and a lot of cinema work. Um, they also just published a a book on Fassbender. Yeah, nice. um, anyway, anyway, so she became. I mean, she died at forty years old from age related pneumonia. But but she kind of you know left that crew and then you know did something else and made something else. Yeah, a lot of the Dreamland folks passed away early. Um, Divine passed away. At, I think forty two. Um, Lock, Lockery at thirty thirty two. Yeah, Lockery was the saddest, really. I think. I mean, as far as uh, you know, dying of bleeding out because he was on PCP at the time. And felt no pain and cut himself with a mirror. Right. And, yeah. Um, I think out of all of the out of all of the characters, especially those that are in, I mean, because as you start to get into um, uh, desperate living, you start to see kind of it like breaking apart a little mm-hmm. bit. And, people, and of course, people start. I mean, like I would imagine that the fame and notoriety hurt a lot of them around this time frame. I mean, I know Divine goes on and does theater. Goes, um, I mean, I mean, Divine wasn't in Desperate Living because right, because she was yeah, theater, right. Um. But I would imagine that all of that, these people probably weren't prepared to have the, the spotlight yeah. shown on them, especially as you're making these movies. And you've got to figure for, what, 10000 25000 nothing dollars, right? That, no. And you're doing it on the weekends with your friends and, and, you're, and you're screaming the words and everyone can act, everyone's acting differently. Um, and you can't imagine, I can't imagine that, I mean, like, Look, you you clearly know that Waters has talent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they can put this together. Waters had a big family backing, and so the fact that he had film and could put this together and, and blow up a sixty millimeter, thirty millimeter, five millimeter, and it's you know, as it's getting, I, I would assume that they thought, 
oh, this will be shown in Baltimore and all my friends will see it. And, and you know, we'll, and maybe it's a midnight thing, but I can't imagine them ever thinking that my work's going to be eventually someday picked up by the Criterion Channel yeah. and, and things like that. And, yeah. Or is going to get such notoriety um, that, you know, it's, start, it's going to start playing around, around the world, essentially, and be a midnight staple for, for you know, decades, essentially. Um, it's, it, it's, it's really kind of, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we talked about when we talked about Joe, um, and not that it's a similar situation, but I would imagine that, you know, these are, these are, these are, I get, I don't know, vulnerable, just vulnerable. Is that degrading well, in a sense? But like, these are artists that are, that are, that are coming from not necessarily wealthy backgrounds. That yeah. Are, I think it's, I, I, I do think it's different than Joe. I think what I mean is I think it's less exploitative. Right. So, because at this time, I mean, I mean they're all friends, right? I get that. Right, 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 right. But also like none of them are making money. I mean, Waters is not going to make a ton of money off any of this. Well, and Waters actually, um, I mean, Waters was pretty uh, savvy business-wise when it all came down to it. So yeah. I, mean, like, but I was just going to say, oh. like, just from a perspective of like, by the time it had all happened, like he wasn't like cutting out his friends or anything. No, like that's that. right. But, but right. yeah, I, mean, I, I just mean that like, he's not going to, oh, I'm going to make pink flamingos. I'm not going to pay you guys anything. But this will become <laughs> right. like a giant. I just mean that, yes, he's savvy. He's smart. He's a good businessman or, or whatever. But he wasn't using these people. I no, think in the no, same no. way that that a film like Joe uses these, um, you know, homeless people. And I mean, he'd worked with all these people for how long before right, a film right. like Pink Flamingos? They're all in multiple maniacs. Um, they all did stuff before, right? He knew these people from before. Um, so I I do think they're vulnerable, but I also think they're vulnerable just because of the nature who of they, they were. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, and I don't think that. Yeah, I, I mean, this is not everybody makes it out. <laughs> true. No, true, and I right. just mean, and, and I. <laughs> I mean, none of us do eventually. <laughs> right, but I mean, I mean, think about people you grew up with, right? And some people still live in that same neighborhood, right? Some people still do the same job that their father did, right? right? I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that some people just end up staying where they are. Some people like Lockery, try to go off and find a bigger kind of fame in New York, and and it doesn't work. Right. Right? People like Cookie Mueller go off, find a, 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 a modicum amount of fame, and it still right, doesn't work. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, I mean, I think they're vulnerable, yeah, but just because of, of who, they, who they are. Let me finish this summary, and then I want to read a quote yeah, to you. Yeah, please. Um, so Divine and the Marbles engage in a tete-a-tete of filth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the marbles eventually recognize the level of depravity they are up against. There is no matching divine as she executes the marbles in front of members of the press. <laughs> All right. So I want to read you this quote and I, and I, this, I want to start here, right? So this is from Ebert. Oh yeah. He, he, and this yeah. is the 25th. This is a, a review of the 25th kind of anniversary of the film. Pink flamingos appeals to that part of our psyches in which we are horny teenagers at the county fair with fresh dollar bills in our pockets and a desire to see the geek show with a bunch of buddies so that we can brag about it at school on Monday. I don't think he's wrong in what he's saying. I just think he's wrong with the sentiment in which he says it. Where it's negative, right? Yeah. 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 I I think this, I would have, I mean, you know, I think this would have been very exciting to be around the time that this was released and being spoken about. Mm. Like, and I was coming over here, I was thinking about this. It's like, it's so rare. It still happens and it's not impossible, but like in this day of like 
ultimate information. And I think actually it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen a lot more as we move forward. But like this, in this day of, of everything's accessible, mm -hmm. right? That, uh, an event like the Baltimore film festival screenings that are sold out night after night of pink flamingos, I would imagine that, you know, that, uh, bootleg prints are being passed around and, and copies on and when this hits VHS copies are being passed around and being spoken about. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so to have that kind of like hushed awe of like, Oh shit, we're really about to see something here. I think that would have been a lot of fun. I, I, I yeah, I, I, it's weird to me that someone who wrote beyond the Valley of the dolls doesn't get this movie. Like, and I know it's grotesque, right? But it seems like Ebert never saw it with a crowd. It seems like Ebert sat in alone in a, in, a, in a theater. In a screening room. Right, and was just disgusted by what he saw. And I get that, but I, but I realize, but it feels like that he should have, of all people, he should have understood what that meant. I mean, because again, there's movies that he likes that, that are along the same wavelength. And there's still the same, you know, quote unquote, geek show that he's talking mm -hmm. about. And so, yeah, I get, I, I agree that this is a movie that you sit in disbelief and are laughing in spite of yourself more often than not. And then once you finally kind of let yourself, even for the most more grotesque parts, if you can get past some of those that are, I mean, that are in this movie is intent, like you shouldn't want to watch this movie. You shouldn't want to. And I think this is something that Waters taps into that I really don't believe that anyone else, I, I haven't, I mean, I, there are instances but like consistently did it where he knows a line and he, and he, and he wants you to be disgusted by this. And he knows that you won't be, he knows that you're going to sit there and you're mm -hmm. going to laugh mm -hmm. and to kind of turn that mirror and that focus on this straight laced bullshit society that we all live in. And that, that would, the people that we try to hide from and push down and, you know, I, it's, I, there's a reason that these movies are in the Criterion Collection. Again, I know mm -hmm. we've talked about this as not being the Criterion's not necessarily the, the gatekeeper of all things good, but these there there's a reason that these films are considered art films, and there's a shit ton of imitators that are not. And it's like you're never going to see Jackass being spoken right. about right. as in some revered revered tone. But these movies speak to something that is base and human, and understands that there's a there's Sometimes we have to be shocked, and that shock is not always a negative thing. It's, it brings us out of this kind of, I don't know, malaise and, like, just haze that we walk through. And, and so to be able to find these movies funny, to be able to find the shocking, hilarious, um, and to sit into a crowd and have that collective experience uh, where we're all just, like, one rolling in the aisles and in, <laughs> but also in disbelief. And then we all look up when the fun, when the fucking lights come up and we're like, Oh shit, I can't look these people in the eye I because I just, I just, just laughed at the guy together. who jerked off on his hand. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was guffawing at, you know, a guy who, who exposed uh, himself to a woman in the park and then she turned around and exposed, exposed her penis to, yes. <laughs> to, yes. to, to the man. <laughs> and it freaked in my yeah, and so like, oh my God, right. ran away. And to a birthday party that that devolves into cannibalism, mm -hmm. uh, you know, killing of cops and cannibalism. And, and 
uh, where we're watching a, a two people go in. Oh, Jesus Christ! And you're watching a two people go into another into the, into another home, lick every surface to to degrade <laughs> it, and then curse it. And then at that point, the mother and the son, she begins She's to fillet so her on. son because of the moment. And he screams out, suck my balls, mom. Kind of like, it's just, like, and again, I can't imagine if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? How can this be funny? And like the, 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 the fellatio scene is hilarious and ridiculous and disgusting. And like, it's not, there's not, there's no, like, there's no eroticism to it at all. It is just a penis in a mouth and you're just like, and it's being wrangled about like a piece of chewing gum. And you're like, what the fuck are we watching here? And then so when it comes down to like, you know, uh, Babs uh, and Divine shooting the marbles at the end, and it's just almost, uh, you know, again, we're and, and the media is just eating it up. It's like, it's almost like she's turning the gun on. Obviously, I mean, the gun points directly at the camera, right? I mean, so it's just a matter of like, <laughs> you can't beat this and, um, and we're going to walk away and you're still going to feel like shit because it's. But also, <laughs> but also have this is what you want. Right. And you want more of it. Right. And right. you want to see it again in print. And you're going to say, oh, I can't believe I just watched that. But you're going to be thinking about <laughs> it and going back to it over and over again. I mean, so there were, I think a lot of these films, I mean, especially this one, is so sort of prescient in, in how it's commenting well, on it the up mass every... media and everything else. Right. And it sets up the punk movement and the drag movement. I mean, like, it, look, there were drag queens before Divine. There weren't drag queens like there were today before Divine. Right. Divine invented that shit. Right. Um, you know, there was, again, this, this, like I said, this invented punk music, this invented <laughs> fucking reality TV, and like, for better or worse, all of the shit that, like, uh, you know, all of the 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 early Fox uh, TV shows that, you know, when Fox first came out and it was married with children and like, mm -hmm. all, and like mm -hmm. you know, all of that owes, all of, all of that kind of boundary pushing kind of up against the edge where you can not, you don't quite go over, but you can, water's but, went or over. Or you walk right up to right. it. Water's went, water, this is Lenny Bruce. Yeah. This is yeah. Lenny Bruce saying fuck on stage so everyone else could. John Waters fucking laid that groundwork, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's it's something to behold. I don't necessarily recommend seeing it alone for the first time. I, I, it's just a lot, right? I mean, yeah. as you get to the surf and bird scene, and, and there's a guy who's literally singing surf and bird with his asshole. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I mean, it, it, and you know, you, you, it's not like those scenes are not harrowing. They're there, but they're intended to be, right? I mean, so what? like the scene where the the chickens literally get killed on screen. I mean, it's just a matter of like that's awful. It's hard to watch, but you know, again. But again, like these are all, this is all intentional. None of this was just like, uh, all it was done with the intent to shock, with the intent to sort of, I think, um, also indict us as viewers, right? And none of it was just, oh, let's just do this for fun. Right, I think it right. was very pointed. Right? right, right. I mean, these are, these films are all, and he's, he said this, right? These are films are, these films are exercises in bad taste, but to know what bad taste is, you have to have good taste first. Right, right, right. right. And I mean, I think he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, the, so. I, I would say that, oh, I'm sorry, you no, want to? No, no, go ahead. Um, I was going to say that I do think that all of these films are just a little long. Yeah, they're not even that long. Right, yeah. I know, I know. Right, That's yeah. what I mean, they're not, but you're kind of like, okay, like we can. Yeah, the, the I think that's just indicative of an 
a, a more amateur filmmaker who, yeah. fa- who falls in love with, okay, I shot this. I'm going to have to keep it in. Yeah. Um, especially as you're filming on 16 millimeter and you've taken the time to actually block it and, and mm-hmm. get the sound mm-hmm. right and everything else. Um, yeah, I, I do think that like, like, so in, in, in pink flamingos, when, when we're watching the trailer burn, obviously that's a big money shot, right? Yep. So every bit of that's on the screen, yep. we could have just cut to the, just, just cut to the collapse. Right. Um, you know, there's some, and again, I think a lot of it is too, is just, dealing with amateur actors who don't know how to deliver their lines in a timely manner, you know, or in a specific kind sure. of manner. So you're dealing with one person who's speaking way too fast and one person who's doing this too slow. Yeah. And then, and yeah, yeah so, uh, but I agree with you that, yeah, they, they all could have been, especially like, um, I think the next one, uh, female trouble could have been, I know that there's a couple of different cuts of female trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and there's a 97 minute cut, I think. And yeah, that one, all of these should be, Right around that eighty to eighty-five yeah. minute mark, and then yeah. you'd be good. Yeah. Which is what polyester actually yep. is. Um, I know and polyester was eighty-one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to dig into, or you want to talk about female trouble? Let's do it. Um, something you know about? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm just joking. Okay. Look. The star of Pink Flamingos is here again. It's divine. She's got balls, and she's got female trouble. I'm a thief and a shit kicker, and uh, I'd like to be famous. Dawn Davenport is eating a meatball sandwich right out in class. Here she is, divine as Dawn Davenport, a feisty young high school girl. My parents are going to be real sorry if I don't get them cha-cha heels. Yes, she had a lot of problems, and she found herself in big female trouble. Well, I just wanted to tell you that I'm pregnant and I want money. Just because you got them big udders don't mean you're something special. It's hard being a loving mother. I give her free food, a bed, clean underpants. What does she expect? Look in the mirror, Tabby. You don't look so good. Never have I encountered such a morally bankrupt group of people. Can't hide them. Can't hide them. If they're smart, they're queer. And if they're stupid, they're straight. Crime enhances one's beauty. The worse the crime gets, the more ravishing one becomes. I'm going to chop off your scrawny little paw. Divine performs the most perverse acts ever brought to the screen. I blew Richard's back. And I'm so fucking beautiful, I can't stand it myself. Shut up! Shut up! You'll follow Divine's life of sex and crime from its tawdry beginning to its very end. and laughter with Divine, Edith Massey as Aunt Ida, and the Pink Flamingos Gang, a new high in low taste. John Waters' Female Trouble. She had a lot of problems. Coming soon from Saliva Films. Female Trouble, this is the life and times of Don Davenport, as played by Divine. Uh, the film shows Dawn as a somewhat troubled, spoiled teenage girl who progresses to a criminal, murderer, performer, uh, after not getting the gift of cha-cha heels she wanted for Christmas, <laughs> Dawn has a violent altercation with her parents and runs away from home. 
She's raped, becomes a single mother, a sex worker, leading to a meeting with the Dashers, who use Dawn and their project to prove crime and beauty are as one. The Dashers mount a nightclub show starring Dawn, complete with trampoline and dead fish and Dawn brandishing a gun and shooting the crowd. <laughs> After a trial in which everyone lies, Dawn is sentenced to death. Before being executed, she thanks all her fans for her notoriety. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, I have another quote for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this one, <laughs> this one was on the poster. Right, from Rex Reed. From yeah. Rex Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Where do these people come from? Where do they go when the sun goes down? Isn't there a law or something? And he was being, he hated this film. He, right. You know. And this is, this, and, and this is, yeah, fuck you. And I love that they used it on the poster. Because mm-hmm. fuck you, Rex Fuck Reed. you, Rex Reed. Right. Like, again, this idea, this is, this is, who was the fucking guy who didn't like Funeral Parade of Roses? Oh, Vincent Camby. Yeah, Camby. I mean, this is the same <laughs> fucking thing. Like, I mean, like, it, just say you don't get it. Right. This because is, that's what it is. This is not, this is not watching some bad parody. You, if you can't watch this and understand that that there's something more to them what you're than than what's being presented and that there's something beyond this, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, and again, not that we're fucking perfect by any means, or or, or, no. or, by, or for as far as film critics go, but, but like, but but I sh- would never say where do these people come from. I mean, right, that's, right, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. This idea of like, oh, we've now I've we've uncut and like, did he not see again? Did you not see Pink Flamingos? <laughs> what did you expect? Right. What the fuck did you expect? It came out four years ago, Dickweed. What this you, one what will you, be different. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, that's the thing. I but, and and that's the also with the Vincent Canby stuff. I'm just like. It's okay not to like a movie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then just don't go see the other films. Like, and right. again, and don't pretend like you didn't see the other ones right. when you're when you're reviewing this one. Uh, I mean, I, I whatever, man. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I wanted from that quote was fuck this guy. <laughs> fuck Rex Reed. But I, but I do I do find that that is. I mean, I I love that they use it on the poster. Because it is calling attention to this, right? Calling attention to this kind of ignorance, this kind of, you know, almost like Rex Reed othering these people. Right. Saying like, oh, the, the, you lift up a rock and this is what you find. Right, right. This, and that, this is literally the scum of the earth, the worst right, of the worst, right? Right. There should be a law against these people. It's like, <laughs> well, you know what? There probably was, was right, right, yeah. you asshole. <laughs> right, right. But I think, I mean, I think it helps us not have those fucking laws. There you go. Right? right. Because that's what Waters is doing. Right. right? I mean, on, 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 on a level of camp, right? right? And sort of hyperbole. Again, this is all played over the top. All three of these movies are just played way over the top. If you think he's being serious in terms of like, oh, it's okay to eat dog shit <laughs> or whatever. Right? I mean, right. You, 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 yeah, you don't get it. Right. I mean, he's calling attention to these things. I think there's a lot of love. From Waters in all these films, for these for these people, for these outsiders, right? For for these misfits. I mean, look, Mortville and Desperate Living literally is the island of misfit toys, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think he loves these people, and he is humanizing them. He is saying like, these people exist, and and they're just as much, or they have just as much right to exist as you and I. Right, right, right. I, I find Don's journey through this movie probably the most poignant of like all of these i mean obviously there's not really much of a plot or like character (laughs) growth in pink flamingos and desperate living is is it's a whole other beast which (laughs) um because desperate living is peewee's playhouse yeah it is it is legit peewee's playhouse right for for an x-rated peewee's playhouse Mm -hmm. 
This one feels like, and I, I have to believe that Todd Salons did Welcome to the Dollhouse and named his character Don Wiener yeah. for Don Davenport. Yeah. It, it, it can't, I can't, it couldn't have been a different, I mean, there's no possible, I, I can't, I won't accept any other explanation right. for that. Right. Um, and so this idea of a person who's just trying to rebel for rebellion's sake and trying to figure it out, and hopefully something of one of these things will stick. Um, the, the all of all of this movie, um, you know, where Divine literally fucks herself, and uh, because he plays he, he plays Earl, Earl. Um, another you know a person who picks up Don as she's running away from home because she didn't get Cha Cha shoes on Christmas Day. And takes her out to a dirty mattress and has sex with her um, with his dirty underwear on. It's just <laughs> awful. Um, and then Don having a young child who's who's rambunctious and and won't listen while she's trying to commit crimes mm-hmm. um, in a variety of different like very very non disguising disguises. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she comes up with a group of friends. And then of course her daughter grows up uh, and starts to continue to rebel. Um, she just wants to go to school. Right, yeah. She just wants to go to school. Um, and then, of course, she, you know, the, the, I, this one is probably my least favorite out of the three um, because it, it is just so fucking screamy. This one's the screamiest oh, of the scream yeah. one. Yeah, like, yeah. My wife walked into the room. She's like, is this just screaming? Like, is this the whole movie just about it's screaming? Just and I was yelling. like, man, pretty much. It's, all, it's pretty much screaming. Everybody's line is, all of the lines are screamed. Um, I don't, I, I, I do think that once she, um, meets the, the, the people who own the salon, then it becomes a better movie. It becomes a lot more fun. I mean, obviously when she becomes scarred up and it's because it almost becomes like sick of myself at a certain point. Where, oh like, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Like, where she's, uh, she's had acid thrown on her by, by the mother of her ex-husband at this <laughs> point. Right. Right. And and it is just kind of like, tell me I'm beautiful, right? Tell me my scarred face is beautiful and let me do all these crazy things for attention. And they like inject eyeliner into her veins and like there's, <laughs> like and, she becomes, and she becomes more and more extreme in her look where, where she's like, um, she, she starts to become more of an Edna Turnblatt and more mm-hmm. in, into, into divine basically. So she becomes less, uh, you know, more of a traditional drag queen. And then as the movie progresses, she becomes divine. Did you know that that, um, scene where she's like throwing fish and that uh where she's like con- at the end, confessing yeah. to crimes that was mm-hmm. that's one of the things that divine did actually on stage was that was like oh. based off a real stage thing oh cool i didn't doing. know that yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did know that waters made her go to the ymca and train <laughs> on the trampoline she did really good man. yeah that back, i was yeah. not expecting the backflip i was just like holy shit she so almost pulled it off i i had read that that he made her go and like actually like practice this stuff and so i was waiting to see like what she did and I, what i also love about the trampoline scene is that she seemed the joy and exuberance seemed so real mm-hmm. which i mean maybe it was that she was having like just a great time right i mean trampolines are fun right and when, when she almost pulled off that back she gets so it's yeah i, know, I just right, loved yeah. it i mean it was so childlike and just so right i mean again like going back to the peewee thing this like love of something right? uh, it, what a fearless performer i just i'd like to to kind of bear your soul out there and i know it's that comes part of your persona right and you've kind of got to like then live up to that but like to do that film over film and like and just to have like really no to not be self-conscious and and to like kind of just 
let yourself be exposed like that is is pretty impressive. What was one of the famous things that she used to say, like the shows that she did? She's like, you paid ten dollars to get in here. Eight of that is for the theater. Ten of that is to fuck me after the show. <laughs> Line up over there. I'll be here till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this idea we and I don't mean necessarily you and I, <laughs> right? But I mean we in general. I don't think. We understand how hard it is or how brave you have to be to do this shit. Right. And what I mean is, is for divine to be who divine wants to be, to go up there and to have these performances, to bear one's soul, to dress and drag and say, no, this is who I am. Right. We don't give people credit for that. Well, we, we demonize them, but we don't go, Jesus fucking Christ, that has to be hard because everyone tells you not to do it. Well, and to be so convincing that in Pink Flamingos, people don't realize you're a man. Right. I mean, for, I mean a good portion of the audience. And it's never really revealed. You just, I mean, like, eventually you, but, I mean, that's, <laughs> that says something. Well, and, and even in this film, I mean, she, D Divine is never a man in drag. Mm. No. The character's always a woman. Right. right. So, I mean, you know, Dawn in high school is... High school girl. Right, right. 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 And I mean, that's something I love is that, you know, Waters is saying just, you know, here's this person for who they are or who they want to be and, and not for how we see them as some large man dressed up as a woman. <laughs> right. Um, I, this is the first film, true, that, that seemingly starts to address the homosexual aspect of it all because they really start talking about how men are shit and that like are being like Don... Um, they don't want, you know, they don't, there's aspects where they don't want, uh, it's, it's Cracker who are the actor who played Cracker. Gator. Gator in this movie, mm -hmm. uh, where his mom doesn't want him to be straight. That right. She wants him to be gay. <laughs> High uh, stud. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he ends up falling for Don, um, and then tries to sleep with her daughter, uh, <laughs> in a very openly nude scene. A lot of so if you're gonna if you're gonna dive into um, these movies, just be prepared for lots of swinging dick. A lot of swinging dick. Yeah, not quite as much as in Can't Stop the Music, which was the uh, the, the village the PG rated village people biopic, <laughs> um, but still quite a bit That's of dick. Still. And dick pointed right at you. Um, in this movie specifically, you yes. get Earl's dicks pointed right at you. Right. <laughs> yep. One thing I, I also <clears throat> really liked about this film is, that, I mean, the explicit idea in this film about um, crime and art and beauty all being sort of wrapped up into one thing. Hmm. I, I mean, I, and he got that from Tex Watson, right? Right. I mean, right. going to see him in jail and, and sort of, and, and wasn't there like a wooden helicopter in this one with the, the, I think the so. Tex car? Yeah. Like gave yeah. To Waters. But this idea of like crime being beautiful and crime being art. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I like the exploration. I like the exploration of that in this film. And I think it m makes for a, a just a, a, another kind of intellectual exercise that this film is already engaging in. Right. And yeah, I don't know. Well, and like I said, Don's um, embrace of whatever her fate may be. Right. I mean, she's upset that the people who, who got her to where she was betrayed her. Mm -hmm. But then once she's sentenced to death, it's a whole new opportunity for her to become Don. Right. I mean, it's a whole new opportunity for her to be famous and, and to get fans and, and nothing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I think it's also a testament that, that, 
aside from one little piece, nothing really phases Don. I mean, Don has ups, emotional ups and downs, but stays the course the entire fucking film. Like, I mean, so like she never strays from being who she wants to be. And it's, she's still a little girl who wants cha-cha shoes. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. and so all the way throughout the film, she stays true. Even when everyone else is kind of betraying or trying to take advantage of her. Um, and again, that's why I think that that's part of the reason I think Solons did, um, or Solons did uh, Don Wiener yeah. is it's the same kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, this one is harder to watch for me just because it just, it, 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 it like you said, 97 minutes, it's a little too long. Mm -hmm. Had this, mm -hmm. had we not reintroduced a lot of the, you know, the extra scenes, we probably could have kept it to a quick 85. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but I do, I really like, I like Divine's role in this one, probably uh, out of all of them, the best. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's I, not in the next one, so it's, it's right. easy, but. Yeah. And I like, and again, like, I like the ideas, the ideas of, of crime, art and beauty, but also this kind of subversive and bizarre take on celebrity. As yeah. Well. Yeah. So, uh, cool. All right. All right. Desperate living as we're all doing. <laughs> It's contagious. It's outrageous. It's John Waters' Desperate Living, starring Hollywood sex goddess Liz Renee. How oh, does the floor feel heavenly? Susan Lowe as androgynous Mole McHenry. If you don't give me the sex change, I'll cut off your Peter and throw it on me myself. And Mink Stoll as hysterical outpatient Peggy Gravel. Get out of here, you stinking of flesh. Yes, they've all had a lot of desperate living. Ah! Oh, God! Find them, feel them, suck them, forget them. Is that your new motto? Ah! I'm a man, Muffy. A man trapped in a woman's body. Follow the dead end road to Mortville, USA. Look around you. It's a village of idiots. Caesar and fuck her! Yeah. Mortville, the bad taste town. Dad, sir, I'm really not that hungry. Are you infectious, honey? I don't know. My saliva tastes funny. Watch the most perverse sex acts ever brought to the screen. Harder! Harder! Step into a world desperate to play by the rules. It isn't very pretty what a town without pity can do. Desperate Living, featuring Edith Massey, the egg lady, as Queen Carlotta. Hi, stupid. Hi, ugly. <laughs> Don't miss this rabid feast of cinema decadence from the creator of Pink Flamingos, John Waters' Desperate Living. It isn't very pretty. Coming soon from Saliva Films. Neurotic and delusional suburban housewife Peggy Gravel and her nurse, Griselda, murder Peggy's husband and go on the run. They are sexually assaulted by a cross-dressing cop who tells them they can go on the run or go to Mortville, a, sh a shanty town populated by depraved, filthy outsiders and criminals and run by the evil queen Carlotta. They end up living with Mole, an angry lesbian, and Muffy St. Jacques. What a name. So, <laughs> the queen banishes her daughter Coco after she elopes with a garbage collector, Hector, whom the, queens, who the, whom the queen guards shoot and kill. Peggy betrays Coco to the guards and Griselda is killed in the battle. Peggy goes to work for the queen and infects Coco with rabies. 
Eventually, Mortville's denizens, led by Mole, overthrow Queen Carlotta and execute Peggy by shooting a gun up her anus. To celebrate their freedom, the townsfolk roast Carlotta on a spit and serve her pig-like on a platter with an apple in her mouth. Critics from Good Housekeeping walked out of this film after 10 minutes. <laughs> Playboy liked it, though. I, would have, I hope that they were both in the same screening. <laughs> they met in the lobby beforehand. Oh, like, what, what magazine do you cover? Oh, a good housekeeping. Okay. Okay. All right. This was the hardest one to sort of figure out how to summarize because it's just yeah, no, all it's, over the place. It's... This is my favorite one. But it's wild. Fucking love this movie, man. It's, it's so, wild. So much fun. I mean, Peggy's obviously the the first Karen, right? I mean, it's she's oh yeah, just as, everything. She's having a breakdown at the beginning of the movie, and and somebody calls with the wrong number, and she's like, "No apologies, no, you're, you can't apologize to me. How do you, know, you you just wasted these seconds of my life. It's like, I hope you die. I hope your husband dies. I hope your kids die." One of the kids hits a baseball through a window, and she's like, an assassin tried to kill me. And the kid just goes, oh, mom. <laughs> and another kid is like, I'll pay for the window out of my allowance. I'm sorry, Mrs. Gravel. That, that I mean, like, is there a better display on film of white privilege or right. white angst? Right. Like, it's fucking crazy how spot on it is. Right. And, like, to everything, like, oh, my God. It really is, like, fucking show this movie. Because... She walks in on two young kids playing, playing doctor, doctor, and they're not touching. I mean, like they have, they're not doing anything. And she's like, "Oh my god, you're raping your sister! The kids, the kids are, are having naked. sex. <laughs> like you're probably pregnant." I now. never thought you'd be someone who raped your sister. And you're like, "What? Like, yeah, that's they right. didn't. You're pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't doing anything. They were just they were sitting, just sitting there. Yes, they, they were naked, but yet, but they were just sitting there playing. <laughs> and they're both like, what, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like we weren't doing anything." And it's. Like all of it is is just taken up to the, the next fucking level to eleven, uh, and then and then you know her her housekeeper. <laughs> so is she her housekeeper or her psychiatric nurse? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. I couldn't really. I mean, it seemed like she was taking care of the house in addition to being okay. a nurse. Because I, I couldn't quite tell either. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, the way that he was talking to her, I just assumed like the way that the husband right. was talking to her, I just assumed right. that she was the housekeeper. She sits on him, suffocates him, and uh, she's a large, large. She's a large woman. lady. Yeah. Do you know the cop that um, it, it, that that stops him? Eventually, became like the Baltimore film commissioner. <laughs> this cop who like pulls them over, <laughs> makes them both take their take underwear, their underwear off. off. He puts them on and then kisses them. And of course, Peggy, uh, who we've been calling Karen, <laughs> Peggy says, "Not a kiss. Mount me if you must, Mount but me. not a kiss." <laughs> The dialogue. Mount me if you must. Not a. Kid. The dialogue in this one, I think, is the best. It's I think. So I think good. Waters is really on point on this one. Um, so when they. So the, was that was that Ed Perenio? Yeah, I think so. Because he did all the sets too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so the cop, in order to, so they're looking for them because they've murdered um, the husband, and he's like, "I'll let you go, and you can go off to this basically town of misfit toys." Uh, Queen Carlotta, you know, it's at one point, I mean, again, so this is just now a series of vignettes of like, they, uh, uh, you know, where we're going to different people in, um, Mortville. you know, in Mortville or Mortown. Um, and 
at one point, they're all beholden to the whim of Queen Carlotta, essentially. And and she makes... <laughs> one day is backwards day. One day is backwards day. So for the rest <laughs> of the film, the rest of the film, for the most part, she makes them put their clothes on backwards and walk backwards. That's what she wants them to do. Or and they'll it, be executed. And then at some point she comes out and she's like, your clothes are on backwards, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and the queen is played by Edith Massey, who is also the, the mom. Woman, the egg, right. Yeah, the, <laughs> the egg woman. And Gator's mom in, the, in, yeah, in yeah. Female Trouble. Ida in Female Trouble. Uh, and yeah, and she's in, obviously, she's in Polyester as well. Uh, the... I, this movie is so like ridiculous and but like whimsical. Like there's uh, there's a whole scene where so the the, the the one of the plot threads is that um, when when Karen okay, when pa- when Peggy left her <laughs> husband she she took a she took a um, a lottery ticket and so for the lottery ticket in order for them to live in in, in this apartment this shack up with Mole and and her uh, who's who's the Muffy, Muffy, and Mole and Muffy, they require them to make payment and pay part of the payments. The lottery ticket, and of course, the lottery ticket hits. Um, but, and so <laughs> then Mole goes off into town to <clears throat> buy a sex change, in addition to a whole bunch of other At stuff. At Johns Hopkins, <laughs> right? They go to Johns Cause, Hopkins because Mole goes to Baltimore and goes to Johns Hopkins, so, and and she threatens the doctor. She wants her tits cut off. And then she threatens the doctor and says, um, if you don't give me the sex change, I'll cut your dick off and sew it on. So. <laughs> she goes back to try yeah. to make love to Muffy with this Frankenstein dick that she has on her. Uh, what does she say? Never go soft. <laughs> right. <laughs> Muffy's freaked out by it, doesn't want to have sex with her. So she cuts the dick off. With scissors. With scissors, oh. throws it off, and a German shepherd eats it. <laughs> They all go back, like so. They all, all of the characters tell you how they got into Mortown. Um, is I'm saying that right? Is it's it, Mortville, right? Mort, Mortville, Mortville. Mortville. Um, and so when Mole gets there, I don't think anyone's going to correct it. Right, That's sure, right. Yeah. Uh, when Mole, what she did to get there, she was a female wrestler and and who basically killed a couple people in the in the ring. But her costume has a giant vagina on the front of the costume. <laughs> Uh, oh man! Um, and like all of the all of uh, the enforcers uh, for Queen Carlotta are all, um, you know, dressed in kind of uh, S and M S and M type costumes mm-hmm. and things like that. She um, makes them dance. This is a lot more of a of a homosexual lesbian film as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I, Waters is beloved in 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 the queer community, um, but you can see why. I mean, like it's just it, providing a voice to. Uh, to these characters and, and providing normalcy to these characters and not and even in these films are normal, but I mean No, right, right, but it does provide a kind of normalcy even if that normalcy happens in a town like Mortville where no one is normal <laughs> Right, but I think again. I think that is you said something earlier about kind of you know His subversive view on society and that's what this is. I mean th- this goes from the suburbs to Mortville Which is just another kind Right, right, of, of quote unquote suburb or small town, but this one has sort of the the depraved and outsiders that live there, not not your red brick houses and, and right. manicured lawns. <laughs> Queen Carlotta's castle is literally just plywood. <laughs> it looks like a high school set <laughs> or junior high set at that best. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, when she is, uh, yeah, when when Peggy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it, like there's there's so much going on in this movie too. Like it when, is, yeah. Because again, giving so Peggy ends up like the, the daughter, the princess doesn't come in until kind of late. <laughs> And then you're just kind of expected to know who she is because they all bow to her when she shows up. And she's like, look, I'm not my mom. Right. Right. Because she goes to the nudist colony. Right. To meet up with Hector, the garbage collector. <laughs> and so once once kind of uh, the princess is kind of excommunicated and, and Queen Carlotta picks up and Peggy kind of worms her way into, mm-hmm. which did you ever figure out like why she's limping do you ever think that was like a like why did she have a cane the entire time the entire time she's got a big brace on her leg and a cane okay i don't know Um, no idea (laughs) but she kind of pledges loyalty to queen carlotta and says i'm gonna i can go i can give your daughter uh rabies that was the whole plan of like infecting everyone with rabies essentially um so they'd all go rabbit and kill each other um she does that (laughs) But eventually, again, then everyone kind of saves her, essentially, in a way. And they all, since they all have this money now and they've all kind of banded together, they turn on Peggy and they literally shoot her in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, stick a gun up her ass and shoot. And you get to see the aftermath. Yeah. And then they... Which you don't get to see in um, Thanks to Do in Denver when you're dead. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which Who is... knew? Who knew the connection between <laughs> right. those two films? Uh, there's a couple of like ridiculous lovemaking scenes, obviously. Um, who's the actress who plays the, the nurse? Do you remember her name? No, but um, I'll find it. But she's, she's, a, she's a large person and, and, um, Peggy played by Mink Stoll is, is Gene Hill. So Gene Hill and Mink Stoll are together and there's a whole session where she's screaming about how uh, to eat it, Peggy, eat it, Peggy. It's <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know, know what, what to, to do. do. <laughs> And didn't she say something along the lines of like, if it's good enough for Gloria Steinem, then it's good enough. Like it's good enough for you. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> right. It's a kind of, it's a kind of like jailhouse sex too. I yeah. Mean, so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's also coupled with, uh, Muff, uh, Mole and, and Muffy's, uh, sex scene as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Muffy is the kind of quintessential quote unquote, like lipstick lesbian. Lesbian. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> buxom blonde. <laughs> There's a scene, um, like Peggy keeps getting accosted out in Mortville. Um, she goes to the bathroom <laughs> right. at one point with this right. was kind of prostitute, like trying to start a proposition and gets under the stall. And then there's these there's glo- like glory hole, glory hole boobs. For boobs. <laughs> Next so like she's constantly offended by everything. Like like she and it's funny. I mean, again, just to kind of paint it with that Karen brush is that she goes along with things where she has no other choice. But as soon as she can rally against something, she's going to rally against something mm-hmm. and throw it under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then of course they kill Queen Carlotta and roast her. And that scene's really, I mean, like, obviously you don't see the scene, but they see, they, they carry her out of the, out, out of the, uh, castle. And it's just kind of this grotesque kind of like meaty blob. <laughs> and then it's very much like the, the Babs birthday scene where they're all just kind of dancing yeah. around and, and eating. Right. And yeah. then the end. Yep. Um, I, this was the, I, again, this is like, the, to me, just the funniest one that he's done. And like, because it feels so much, it feels just less serious than the other two. It's, it's, I don't know, it's less daunting, like the, the nudity and the incest and the, and the rape and everything else that's involved in it just seems like it's a lot more fun than, than, than you know, than the other ones. Um, There's a lighter touch to this. Right, right. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just 
one, the sets are so crazy. And then two, just watching people walk around backwards for 30 minutes is it's pretty <laughs> fucking funny. It's pretty like, funny. And again, it's not blinked at. It's just they exist accepted. They just walk backwards. And you're just like, okay, well, this is. And then when they get into their rooms and they're not seen by anybody, they start, they take off they their turn clothes around. and yeah. walk, walk forward. <laughs> They'll they, go to the bar and they end up, you know, they take their coats off. and. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, uh, the. The scene that really, I mean, like, obviously, when you when you see Moles' uh, fake dick and <laughs> that he's so, that, that, he's, that she's so excited about it and so excited about what it's going to afford her and then that Muffy doesn't like it. So she just, like, gets all upset. And then there's a very brutal uh, sewing up scene where yeah. uh, Moles is like, well, now I've got a Barbie doll crotch. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. It's like, well, that's. Apropos of right, the moment. Right, exactly. But I, 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 I do, I think that that also speaks to something very serious where Muffy, again, who's a kind of like lipstick lesbian, she will talk, she, at one point, she's late to dinner and Mole is sort of, you know, chastising her. And she's like, I was having an erotic dream. And she's talking about, you know, getting ready to have sex with a man. And, and, and Mole is jealous and is like, you know, well, I you know, don't I satisfy you or whatever. And Muffy says something like, yeah, but you don't have that really big deal, right? Right, right. You don't right. have a dick. Right. And, you know, of course, Mole stabs Muffy through the hand with like a, right. a carving fork. But there is this kind of then jealousy between Mole and Muffy, and Muffy plays on that. And, and, and at a certain point, Muffy says that. I didn't really want you to, to I, I like you how you are. I just say those things to make you jealous. I don't really want to sleep with men. Right. And, and you... The ambiguity between the two of them in regards of sex and what is satisfying to one or, or, or the other, I think is a really interesting kind of smart conversation that goes on in that film. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that the dialogue in the script is much better in Desperate Living. I think the sensibilities of really this gets to kind of be Lynchian and blue velvety kind yeah. of in a way um, where, you know, the opening sequence and the opening title cr crawl. Uh, just speaks to a filmmaker who is kind of really kind of figuring out mm -hmm. how to marry trash and comment together and get it across to a different audience. Because you can see through each one of these films, the quote unquote vulgar, shocking content becomes lesser and lesser or it's treated in a much different manner. Or where, becomes like more refined. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not all. Yeah. And again, we say that as. Oh, yeah, my favorite part is when he cut his dick off and the German Shepherd ate it. I, yeah, I get it. I get hey, that. We can do both. <laughs> we can be childish and then, like, you know. <laughs> right. I will say, like, I don't, if you're going out to watch these films, especially for the first time, I don't recommend watching them back to back to back. It's tough. I do think you should give them some separation. Yeah. So watch Pink Flamingos, watch, you know, and then give it a week. Or something, and then, watch to, and then watch Female Trouble. Give that a week, and then watch because I think it's one. The characters are so that, so similar. You got obviously the same players that it's easy to get kind of lost between the three. Um, and but it's, it's easy, also easy to see the connections, though, too. right? True, I mean, true, true. Like I said, I, the progression works really well. And then going directly into like I, like I said, looking at the five films from Pink Flamingos to Hairspray, you can clearly see his his progression mm -hmm. and his softening. And his kind of coming to, I mean, obviously, Hairspray still has a message to tell. And it's still providing subversion. Um, but it's just doing it in a, in a family-friendly manner. I mean, yeah. so. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I just, like, trying to keep all the threads apart of, like, especially because you're talking about 
Ida and Carlotta and Egg Lady. And, and like, they're all the same actors. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, it, I was reading that it took uh, three hours to sew Ida into that skin-tight oh costume in Female Trouble. <laughs> Interesting. Sort yeah. of a black leather. Like lace up the sides. Lace up. Yeah. And I think, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, in two of the movies that she's kind of immobile. Like for the most part, right? Yeah, and Pink Flamingo, she's in a crib, and then in Desperate Living, she's on her queen cot. Right. And then lift me, put me in my queen cot. Right. Lift me in my queen cot. But she's also in I mean, Multiple Maniacs. She's like like a barkeep. Yeah. And so yeah. she's moving around, and, and, and she moves around in, yeah. in polyester yeah. too. She's quite mobile in polyester. It's just uh, the scene where where one of her dance, one of her cops is dancing for her, and she's like, "I want the meat and potatoes," and like it's like that's what I'm saying. Like is that I think that. Um, Waters by this time knows what his actors are capable of and knows mm-hmm. what they're capable of pulling off from a script wise. I think he's, I think he's writing for them better. Um, I think some of the people that he had, like in, if in, in Flamingos and Female Trouble, he knew where to let them kind of go mm-hmm. and kind of speak to mm-hmm. the general tone. By the time that he gets to, to, um, to, to Desperate Living, I think that just feels like a more on the page kind of movie where I can see like all the words coming out of water's mouth. And and it's the dialogue is crisper in a lot of ways where um, even though if it's not necessarily delivered in the most professional manner, at least it's it's kind of like better than Kevin Smith clerks kind of thing where it's like, it's just like, okay, I know what they, I know what I want them to say. They may not be able to say it and like pull it off, (laughs) but I know what they want, what I want them to say. It's like how I am most of the time. (laughs) I know what I want to say. Right, right. But I don't think I can pull it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I don't. And then I don't. Right? And then, I, then I just forget and I just say something stupid. So, you know, yeah. it's fine. Right. That's a good way to go through life. Anything so, else uh, about, about those? I mean, go, go check them out. They are a, a lot of fun. But, yeah, watching them in quick succession is not the way to go. Right. I also just think they're a lot. Right. I mean, right. they are. I, I would say make sure you know who Waters is. Yeah. Like, I mean, go out and do some reading or watch some interviews with him. I think it's important yeah. to kind of like get the artist's perspective on the art, um, especially in this case. And I think Waters has done a good job of this, like providing context to a lot of it as well um, without just kind of. I mean, there's still a, a need for you to understand, but it's also not a, you know, you're not desperately, he's not, he's just not throwing shit in your face and expecting you to yeah, enjoy it. Eat it. <laughs> right. That's for Divine to do. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about some films that listeners might like if they I like these? do. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, I'll go first. Uh, I, uh, I'm interested because I did this as kind of like a trilogy. Oh, really? So. You went. Pink Flamingos. What I mean is instead of going like, if you like this film, you like this film. I did. If you like these three, you might like these three. Oh, okay. All right. So. Okay, good. Um, So my first one is Greasy Strangler um, by Jim Hoskins, I think. Uh, Very much kind of in the same vein of like this gross out um, fun humor. I don't think it has the same social commentary, but it has a lot of the same like, oh shit, I can't believe what I'm actually watching kind of thing. So okay, All right. yours are probably going to be more over the top than mine. <laughs> That's fine. No, 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 no. I just <clears throat> that that wasn't and like, yours is said with any Indiana judgment. Jones, Temple of Doom, right? Um, Last Crusade, actually. <laughs> right. But yeah, 
No. So <laughs> the the first movie that I linked with these is the Doom Generation. Okay. Yeah. A heterosexual film by Greg Araki. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Although I wonder if like Totally Fucked Up would have been a better one. Anyway, Greg Araki. <laughs> um, early work by Rose McCown. Um, so that's the first one that I All right. I think would be good. Uh, my number two is Citizen Ruth. Um, mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, an early uh, Alexander Payne film. Uh, just about a young girl who gets uh, pregnant. She's basically told that she can't be. She's, uh, she huffs paint. Laura Dern. Laura Dern, yeah. yeah. And she's told that she can't get pregnant anymore. And it's kind of her, like, crusade against the world. Um, really good, and it was kind of subversive and and uh, interesting kind of first entry, especially to a filmmaker who's kind of David Gordon greened himself in a couple yeah, of occasions. Yeah, <laughs> w- I it, I did not expect Alexander Payne to be linked with John Waters. In this <laughs> well, there episode. you go. Right. Well, my second one then is I had two, but I'm going to go with Please, Baby, Please, right. a new yes. film by Amanda Kramer starring Andrea Riseborough, Harry Potter's Harry Melling. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carl Glussman, who I really like, and a cameo by Demi Moore. Yeah. Yeah. But high camp, um, you know, subversive, dealing with a lot of, I think, similar issues in, with identity and sexuality that, that Waters does. Uh, my last one, and I, I'm not pulling it up on my phone because I, I don't know how to say their last names, um, but my last one is Greener Grass um, by Jocelyn DeBoer and Don Lube. Um, it is about, it, it has a kind of Waters aesthetic. Uh, it is very kind of a surrealist comedy about these soccer moms who, um, are doing anything to kind of fit in. And it's, uh, it, it got a really kind of small, limited release. I actually saw it at the Granberry, like by myself, like essentially. But, uh, um, the poster is like a woman in a pink dress and like, and her face is like a big set of lips. So yeah, <laughs> and it's based on a short film that they did. They've done some other films as well. Uh, but yeah, Greener Grass is my uh, my third choice. Okay. My third one is by a director who you've mentioned already today, <laughs> but it's not Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's Happiness. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> by Todd Salons. Um, it's, it's, a a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of semen. It's, <laughs> it's another film, though, that is, is extremely difficult to watch mm-hmm. at times, but where Salons seems to be doing something similar that Waters did with, with, outcasts and misfits and the depraved in in different ways yeah salons seems angrier right i mean right and in that and in just yeah, none just of this a, is done is kind of so, funny right? right yeah um and i think there is really really dark humor and happiness yes uh i mean like and, and to to the extent of like it's not it's not welcome to the dollhouse right it's not i mean welcome to the dollhouse is excuse me almost desperate living to be on i mean right to extent i mean right. like they're Happiness is just fucking brilliant. I mean, it's just it's yeah. really, really good. And it's and it's really, really, really fucking hard to watch. I mean, so like the incest is gut wrenching and, and gut. I mean, like there's not really incest in this movie. It's but it is um, uh, there's child molestation yeah. that that's ref- and that kind of references incest. And there's uh, sexual assault and, and uh, just emotional manipulation. And it's <laughs> yeah. It is the fact that you can again, but again, like like to to that point. I mean, uh, where Waters is able to find and mine humor out of that, uh, Todd is as well. I mean, it, there, there's it, you don't walk out of that. I mean, like and again, that last scene, 
mean, uh, it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, and it's almost played for laughs. I mean, right. yeah. But I also think there's like real introspection in this film, and I think that's I the other yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, that, yeah. There's this like subtle dark humor, but there's also like it, for better or worse, makes you think quite a bit. So, yeah. 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 No, good choice. Yeah. Well, that was fun. It was. Okay. All right. Well, tell the tell the folks what we're doing next time. Next time we're going back to the cast of it as well and going so into uplifting films. films. <laughs> right. Uh, what are we seeing? We're seeing faces, faces and husbands, husbands right? We're skipping over the one that he was taken away from him because we'll, if, we'll touch on it. <laughs> if Cassavetes can't have it, neither can we, but we can talk about it. We can watch <laughs> it and talk about it. And... Is that what you want to do? No, Is no, that no, what you no, no. Do, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I warned you about it. I'll talk out of my asshole. And oh, God. Wait, don't you already? <laughs> well, yes. Figuratively speaking, yes. I'm just so you mean literally, literally this talking time. Okay. My asshole, All right. Okay. So. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So faces and husbands. I probably the the. I, what are you gonna? I, I mean, like, I don't think those are. I think there's a well-known, well-worn cast of films. So we're getting into the meat, right? This yeah. Is, uh, yeah. We're getting into now. his kind of. Well, yeah. His his best recognized yeah. kind of run. I think this is going to be. Yeah. This is probably kicking off the films that I think people would would fall back on and say, okay, yeah, I've, I've seen Cassavetes, and this is what I'm. This is right. what I've seen. Although you get into the, obviously women under the influence, and that's going to be you know probably I would say the the pinnacle. But Nadir, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so we'll go to those. I don't think. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about as far as uh, contemporary films? Man, you know how we do. We never know. Until, right. Like, we'll we, find. We'll find something else yeah. to throw in there. It won't just be two films because what? There's no I, reason I, we'd ever do that. I well, okay. Assuming I can get out to see it. Have you seen Talk to Me yet? I have. Okay, so I haven't I'm, yet. I'm interested. I to, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I, we can definitely speak to Talk To Me. <clears throat> okay. So next time we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll check in on Talk To Me, and we'll get back to Cassavetes with faces and husbands. And um, I don't know. I'm sure we'll have some surprises for all the listeners out there. Uh, okay. Anything else, Jason? Uh, nothing else on my end. All right. Until next time, thank you for listening. Keep screaming. Maybe I'm You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you liked today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting whydoesthewilhelmscream.com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time. Ah!